Good evening. This is a special broadcast of Zocalo, a cultural forum for the new L.A. Zocalo, which means public square in Spanish, is an independent, eclectic, nonpartisan, multi-ethnic forum providing an opportunity for intellectual fellowship in Southern California. In tonight's program, editor-in-chief and publisher of The Hollywood Reporter, Robert J. Dowling, and LA Times columnist, Joel Stein, sit down for a wide-ranging conversation on the state of Hollywood, both as culture and business. From pirating to paparazzi, Tom Cruise publicity stunts to the pitfalls of a pilot season, our two guests will explore the fantasy and reality of the most glamorous industry in the world, Hollywood. Right, so we're supposed to talk about entertainment. Right. right. So why don't we start with the fact that it's been a tough summer for the movie business. Right. I'm actually wondering, I just moved to L.A. in January. How do I make a lot of money in Hollywood? It's very, that? very simple. You just write a script, sell it, produce it, and have a lot of people go and see it. Now, I can actually make money long earlier in that process, right? If I just sell it and it never gets made and no one ever sees it. I well, yeah, they sell it in two two ways. You get it, you get a price for selling it, and then they give you more if they make it. And if you think about it, for every film that gets made, there are probably 15 being developed. So the likelihood is that they're not all going to get made. And the odds are, if I write a script, it will I won't even get to sell it, right? Well, I'll give you an example. The Writers Guild registers um, copyrighted material. If you write a script, you can register it with them and, and pay, I don't know, $10, and it's yours. They, they file... So you're already $10 in the hole. $10 in okay. the hole. Minimum. Uh, could be 10 I don't think it's more. Right. But there are 75,000 of them that are registered every year. Books, plays, treatments, and, and scripts. So uh, out of that welter of material, they're going to pick... I don't know, the 450 films that get released. And how many do you think are bought scripts? Uh, I would estimate if, say, 400 get made, there are probably six to 8,000 around town that are being in some form of development where they've paid money to buy, right, yeah. buy material. Yeah. And how much do you, do you have any idea what the average person gets paid for those scripts? Um, well, it'll go as low as $1,000, oh. uh, and it can go as high as a couple of million dollars. But on average, like... I, I would say they're grand. probably six figures for most. Really? Yeah. Oh, that, that, that's worth yeah. it. No, it's, yeah. Okay. I'm going to continue that. Yeah, that's a good, it's a good career. You can stay at home and just... Right. I always laugh when the writers were on strike. What, what does that mean? They, just, <laughs> they don't go to the office? <laughs> they don't go to their typewriter? <laughs> just hoping there's some producers in the audience is off. Well, there's yeah. another thing, too, and that is the average film takes about eight and a half years to get made. So, uh, it, and if you're a producer, you're probably not going to get paid until it gets made, and you'll have to raise a lot of the money yourself. So No, I don't want to do that part of it. <laughs> yeah, I just want to write it and get paid. I'll avoid topical references if it's going to take eight there years. There you go. So let's move on from writing to producing. Uh, I don't think most people realize how... Uh, how expensive or risky it is. If you think about it, the average film today costs about $100 million to make. And well worth it. And uh, yes, in some cases, uh, I would say a movie like The Island probably has uh, $150 million in it all in and did $12 million in the first weekend and they only get half of that. So the average film does around 
$40 million. Studios get half of that. So you're looking at a $100 million investment to get back an average of $20, $25 million. I'd ask the question, how many people saw the uh, March of the Penguins? Look at See, that. this is the smart crowd. They See avoid the fantastic part. Oh, that's now, there's fantastic. a movie that uh, they always talk about movies, how, what the drop is, you know, if it's... 30, 40% from one week to the next, it's a good thing. If it's 50, 60%, it's a bad thing. Well, the uh, March of the Penguins went up 73% last wow. week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a home run for Warner Brothers. They're so cute, Penguins, though. I know. And they can God. sustain cold better than most of us. <laughs> 70 below zero and 100 mile an hour wind is always... See, that's another thing I think is remarkable about the film business. People talk about stealth and and uh, uh, movies that may or may not make it, War of the Worlds. But look at these guys who went to the South Pole to make that film. So when they talk about it being 70 below zero, the 100-mile-an-hour wind, maybe the penguins were bred for that, but I don't think too many humans were. And so there are people that are willing to go there and spend that kind of time and energy and money to create something like that, which is such a, a, a wonderful thing to go see. That's, that's why people are seeing it, because everyone's talking about it. I, th I think the stealth people worked hard. Oh, I, I know the stealth people very very well. And I'll tell you, they work like dogs on that. Yeah. They have 800 computerized shots in that. It's a very, very expensive movie. That sounds exhausting. But it just didn't, didn't uh, take hold. There weren't any stars in it. And uh, actually, Rob Cohen, who directed it, did The Fast and the Furious. And that yeah. was a successful movie. And, and Triple X. Right. And th this is The Fast and the Furious at about 40,000 feet. Right, yeah. So you were going to tell me about why movies did so poorly this summer. Uh, everyone has a theory, a very complicated theory about like what's going on if people want to be at home or if movie theaters are too dark. I don't know. Everyone's got their own little theory. Well, there are a, lot, a number of them, and I think they all start with the idea that a lot of people think the movies aren't very good. But if, if the big movie of the weekend is The Island and it doesn't open well, right. that means there's nobody there. The other thing is I think people are really tired of this concept of advertising beforehand. And I'm not even sure that it's because they paid money to get, and they're getting ads, which they really don't want. But it's the idea that it's such a distraction. You go into a movie theater and you have to sit through uh, a dozen, almost a dozen different commercials now. And they're not that germane to the subject or to the people. Then you have all the trailers. And I think they've added trailers. So the pre-show... Uh, before the film starts, is really long. I can't get enough trailers, though. I, 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 I love the trailers. Yeah, but I'll go online and watch trailers. Just but, you know, trailers are good by themselves, but if trailers follow seven commercials that are one and a half to right. three minutes long, you've got a lot of time invested in it all of a sudden. I think of it as make-out time. Well, there you yeah. go. That's if you're in the back row. But the other thing they say is uh, this uh, movie starts at 7.10, and uh, then the pre-show will start before that. So 7.10 is when the movie starts. But if it's a good movie, you can't find a seat at 7.10. And right. if it's a terrible movie, the ads are probably better than the movie. So, <laughs> Oh, they're screwed. Hollywood is just screwed. No, it's, uh, I, I don't really think most people really have a comprehension for how difficult it is. It, it's a very unpredictable business. You never know who's going to make the decision, and it's different in every single case. You don't know who will finance it or how you'll get it financed. There are probably a dozen people that can actually put people in seats, and they're generally busy, so if you have a film that would attract them, they're somewhere on location and you can't get them, then you get them and you can't get the director you want. The money you have is tied, it's got 12 different territories. All of a sudden, that comes apart 
apart. That's why it takes eight years. And then uh, the likelihood is that it's not going to do that well. 80% of the films uh, don't even, or 70% of the films don't even cover their marketing costs. So m most films don't make money? No, no, no. On in the in the theater, it right. shows how important the DVD business. But that's is. a new business, right? Like what happened before? Well, you know, if you go back to the 20s and all you were making was a film that went out to the theater and it did or didn't make money, then it's a new business. Right now, they need it. Uh, if you take everything, you take all the. But this is really recent. People didn't buy DVDs till like five years ago. No, right? but they rented them. They rented uh, the, okay. the, that was the videos. Yeah, and that was a big part of the business. Then they get paid for television. They get all the international revenues. They have di they have uh, video over there. They have. Uh, the DVD business over there as well, and television. So there are a lot of outlets that they can sell it to, but it takes them about four years to get a film released in the theater and go all the way around the whole world right. and all the different venues. And they can't release them all at the same time because there's not enough prints, or is this a whole marketing Oh, thing? it's part of the marketing uh, philosophy that, one, you can't promote it. It's hard to promote internationally at the same time. Because if you have Will Smith and Hitch and he's in London, right. you can't get him in Paris, you can't get him in New York. And so they, they use a lot of the stars for the promotion and the opening. And uh, they, they've been affected really dramatically, almost in excess of $3.5 billion of piracy. And part of it is because they can get those products now around the world like that. Right. And uh, when they do a simultaneous release such as they've done with things like War of the Worlds, the, um, the piracy rates go down dramatically because people have access to the films. Oh, oh so they had enough prints of War of the Worlds where they could show it to... about 11,000 prints. Really? Now, a print costs twelve to $1,500 a piece. What do they do with them afterwards? Well, they just uh, either send them back or they throw them away. Or really? Go That'd into be a, a nice thing to own. You, you go to a mark, you know, a, a dollar film. Those those theaters where it's a dollar, two dollars oh, to right, get right. in. They're there. There are places where they put them. Yeah. Why do people own DVDs? Like people have these giant DVDs. How many times can you watch a movie? Uh, like, what, what are they doing? I, I honestly think that that is a really interesting question, and I think the same thing. I could see buying a CD and listening to the song 25 times. Yeah, because who really listens to a CD? But it's just the it's background. It's just in the background. I've or you do listen, and then, you, then it's in the background. 300 you, times I've heard it. I still don't know. I'd be freaked out if I saw a bustle in my hedge grow. <laughs> and I've heard that song how many times? Yeah, okay. Well, if you think about it, the DVD business is actually starting to flatten out right now. I think partly for that reason. People are saying, okay, I've got every single shelf in this right. house loaded up with DVDs. Do I really want to own these things? That's why the next thing is going to be uh, on demand. So you'll be able to just hit a button. It'll come into your house. You'll watch it and go away. But are people buying DVDs because they really want to watch does anyone here have a giant DVD collection, like in the middle, like where their library of books should be? You do. Also, <laughs> there's a great novelty in it. When you can own them, you bring them home, and uh, you figure it costs, I don't know, $15 in a Walmart, so even less. And uh, so if two people watch it already, it's less expensive than going to see it in a the theater. Well, yeah, but, but much more expensive than renting it, which seems the more logical. Yeah, Way but uh, that renting is two trips. and uh, People are that lazy. That's amazing. Well, I'll give you an example here. There are, there are 65 million visits a week to video stores. So people are really preoccupied with renting and buying right. videos. It's a huge business. Wow. Okay, I always wonder this. I'm wondering, in your publication, how many stories per issue just bore you? You're like, I know all this already. I just don't need it. Well, I don't know that it's that they, they 
uh, bore me, I, and I'm not even sure that I know them, but there are a lot of casting stories, which uh, are mid-level casting people, and uh, I don't personally have an interest in that, but another thing that is not that commonly understood is when you get a green light, someone says, okay, we'll make this movie, here's $40 million, go make it. At that moment, somebody is going to populate that with employees and services and It's companies. a little business. It's a little boring. business yeah. that had, at one moment, no employees. So you're going to build a team of people who right. have never been a team before, will only be a team once. Every one of those slots will get filled only one time. And if you don't get it, you never have another chance. At the end of the project, everybody's out of work again. And so what people are always doing is trying to figure out an edge. How do I get connected to that project that's going to get made? And oftentimes it's, oh, look who got cast. I know that guy's agent. I went to oh, school wow. with him. I wonder if and I you're could talking like him. a cameraman or like Anybody. A all of them. They're all looking for, how do I, do I have a, you know, how many handshakes are, am I away from that guy who can help me get on that project? Because one, if you get on a project, you get paid, but at the end of your performance, which may be six weeks, six months, whatever it is, you're finished work. Now you've got to go get another job. And you've got to go back out into the world and say, what's being made? Who needs me? Who's connected? So every time something gets announced in a paper like ours, it means something to somebody. And they look at it and say, I can make a phone call. No, every industry has. Like the, the Pizza Today magazine has the same deal, right? Like... It's just well, that no one no, is not in pizza reads You know, if you, if you make chairs like these right. and people like them, you go out and make 10,000 of them as long as they change the colors of them. And it's, it's hardly new. They'll say, oh, it's a new product. They got green instead of brown. Right. But this is new product. This is zero. There are movies coming out that'll be out at, and I, you're going to ask me which, I can't tell you, but they'll be out in the spring, and nobody ever knew, don't even know what they are. Never heard the name. There's no equity in it. Yet, yet people have got, well, conceivably 60, 80, 100 million dollars invested in it and the money's already spent and by Friday night when they release that movie they'll know if they have a disaster on their hands and how would you like to be the guy who's got over 100 million dollars in stealth and then all of a right. sudden Friday night you know you're finished there's no recovery from that I was talking to the two guys that wrote Wedding Crasher and they spent they spent Friday night driving around different places in L.A. seeing how many people were at the theaters. Absolutely. They just walk in for two minutes, right. the, the theaters let them, and then they just quickly see how many people are there and then walk out and they get a vague idea of... Well, I, I have friends who are in distribution. They'll say they get... When their movie opens, they have to stay home Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday because they get phone calls all morning from the filmmaker, from the stars, the actors, and people are calling, how do we do in Venezuela? You know, and oh my Why God. Venezuela? Well, my aunt lives down in Venezuela. I didn't know she's going to be wondering... This was you did pretty well in Venezuela, but I had heard, and this may be not true anymore, never true, that on Friday nights there's one theater in Hollywood that like they find out what their receipts are, and then they can kind of judge things that way for the weekend. Or is that not true? Well, it, I, I don't really know if that's okay. true. I know we own a company called Nielsen EDI, and we do that box office, and that's really the result of oh. phone calls being made, and they call theaters around the world, around the country. You guys do the box office. Yeah, guys? we own Nielsen EDI. What else I do you hope do? It is. <laughs> you got a restaurant? What else you guys got? Actually, the guy who started the Hollywood Reporter started in 1930. His name was Billy Wilkerson. And Billy Wilkerson started two restaurants, the Trocadero, and he started, I think it was Ciro's. But he was also the original founder of Las Vegas. He went over there and put up the first Tropicana Hotel. And uh, he was a restaurateur, and he played 
she played poker with all of the original uh, seven, and Carl Lamley and Jack Warner and uh, Adolf Zucker and all those people. And he was one of the the internal kind of um, raconteurs of this business, and he was a restaurant owner. Have you pitched this as a film? No. We've pitched Hollywood Reporter as a TV show, though. You know, oh, But there really? are a few of them. E.T., e e e Access Hollywood. So there's oh, right, plenty right. of that out there. I, I can't get enough of those shows. Oh, I, 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 I videotape them so I can watch them twice. I just TiVo the insider <laughs> with Pat O'Brien. That's all I need. <laughs> all right. I, anybody got a question? You have an option to buy a script? Oh, right, yeah, okay, what is that deal? You get, like, a, someone can look at your script and get an option on yeah, it? Yeah, you can buy it for a year or buy it for two. Oh, and that's cheaper than buying it outright? Oh, sure, I mean, okay. most of them are optioned. You know, okay. That's why they'll pay you, you, you hear an expression, 200, 400, and uh, that means they pay $200,000 for the script, and you get another 200 if they make it. And if oh. they don't make it, you just get, you get the original two. And that's an option for... Uh, probably one or two years and then they have a thing where they have a called turnaround where if they decide they don't want to make it they'll sell it to somebody else and get back what they optioned it for and then some well, the people you sold it to will resell it somewhere else. right now in uh now if you if your option runs out is your project considered kind of lame and stupid because i know i made pilots this year and last year for abc and um they shot them and it didn't make it to the air because they weren't that great um, but I was wondering, like, I was like, oh, maybe I can resell this idea again. And it has the stink of death on it. I'll, yeah. I'll, give, you, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll use rough numbers. They buy about 450 scripts in the TV market for the upcoming season. Is that it, really? Yeah, about 450. No. They pay about 100000 on average for the script. What? So, yeah, do the no, math, sure. okay. Then they do about 125 pilots, and they'll pay... Those are the ones they shoot. They shoot. Yes. Anywhere from two to, say, multiple millions of dollars per pilot. Right. It's about uh, two million on average, okay? Then they pick up about 30 shows, 30 pilots right. for the season, mid-season, and two of them make it to 100 episodes. Yeah, and 80% don't make it to the second season or something, right? right? Yeah. Two of them make 100, which is where That's the... That's out of 450, all of which they think have a shot right. of going to the finish line. Yes, ma'am. Whoa. Um... Is it true that last year Tom Cruise fired his longtime publicist, whose one rule in interviews for him was, don't talk about Scientology? Well, it's true that he did, I should say, he separated, whether he terminated or what he did. Pat, Pat Kingsley, who was probably one of the most powerful publicists in the country out here, certainly. And um, I don't know that she told him specifically, don't talk about that. She probably did, but she probably told him a lot of things not to do, one of which was probably don't go to Oprah and jump up and down on a sofa, <laughs> and don't get into a, a, a shouting match, so to speak, with Matt Lauer. So it goes beyond, I think, Scientology. He just carried on a, a little bit more than I think people wanted to see this year, so he's got some repairing to do. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, what's the next big trend that you see in entertainment technology? Uh, I think it's uh, video on demand or everything on demand. That would be my sense. Um, you will eventually be able to get whatever you want, wherever you want, whatever device you want it on, as long as you're willing to pay for it and you'll pay reasonable prices for it. But it'll be uh, it will be always accessible. I'd like you to comment on um, 
how fast a movie is in a theater and how quickly it turns into a DVD and a video and it's back on the, um, the market as a DVD and it, the, the short life that it has at the theater, how quickly that's turning around now. Well, there's a kind of a paradox in that. If you take the box office for uh, the weekend, so you listen to the news, you read the LA Times and it says it did $20 million. You can multiply that by three, and that'll be the end of that movie. So that's about all it will make, and it will make that in less than three weeks. So if it's finished its theatrical run effectively at the end of, say, three, three and a half weeks, well, why would you want to wait five months to, to, drop, to release it on DVD? So the pressure is on the studios, they want to get it out into DVD earlier, but the theaters want it to be in the theater longer and also have more of a gap between the theater and DVD because if a person thinks, oh, I missed it in the first three weeks, but it'll be out in two weeks on DVD, what's the difference? I might as well wait till it comes out. But if they have to wait an extended period of time, it may be enough of a motivation to go see it in the theater. It's a big problem right now. It's a big debate going on. It will continue to go for some time. Well, as a, a follow-up to that question, do you think then the theaters, or I should say the, the studios, would really care if theatrical releases just go away and it becomes more of a video on demand that, that they hasten that? Because, hey, um, well, yeah, it, it costs a lot to, to go see a movie and that they can run it for a couple bucks later or video on demand, then well, so be it. Well, it's almost... A it, it's the, well, the direct the video is a big business, but it's almost a chicken and an egg today. Do you put sixty million dollars into a negative to support a forty million dollar advertising budget, or do you spend forty million dollars on advertising because you got sixty million in the in the negative? So the fact of the matter is, a lot of decisions are being made on the basis of what it costs to market a film, and the theatrical business is by far the best. Uh, marketing vehicle. It's almost like it's the second stage of the trailer. You go to the theater and you see a trailer, then you see a movie. The movie is almost becoming a trailer as a promotional device to sell it in DVD and television and all the other channels that it can go through around the world. But you can't support a DVD release with that kind of money and you can only do that with a theatrical release. But we're also thinking about this, like, what percentage of people go to the movies are just teenagers or younger? I think it's almost 30% or 12 to 18, but oddly enough, the over 40 age is growing, too. It's oh, really? Yeah, it really is, because people have more time and they're more interested in some of the more interesting subjects. And wow. So, yeah, it's becoming a better uh, age group. Hello. My question is this, how can either the networks or the movie companies rely on market research with TiVo, anybody, any kind of market testing? Most people who are watching TVs or going to the movies are busy and probably don't participate in the studies. So how is that going to affect future movies and or can we even trust the market analysis? You mean the research? Yeah. I mean, for if they're making decisions based on what movies gets produced, what TV shows go out, based on market analysis, and that's wrong. Um, that's a challenge, but there, there, there's a new technology called uh, local people meters, LPMs, and they're installed on your television set so it can monitor 
what you're watching and it can just do it automatically and if you're in that house and you're one of that sample and it's been checked out statistically relevant you once you turn the tv on you push a button so to speak and it tells them oh the 18 year old just came in of course if the cat comes in and pushes it then it's the young girl but uh, when you think about the way you have so many different channels today and you have so many different devices like the PVRs that's a real challenge for this business is to do that research on what people are actually watching You've been listening to a special broadcast of Zocalo on Hollywood Inside and Out, a conversation between Robert J. Dowling and Joel Stein. The Los Angeles Public Library and Zocalo, a cultural forum for the new L.A., present this monthly lecture series sponsored by 89.3 KPCC. Zocalo thanks Semper Law Group, Washington Mutual, and the Library Foundation of Los Angeles for making this special program possible. For more information or to listen to past shows, please visit ZocaloLA.org. Thanks for joining us.